And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to welcome along to the program once again from Envision Financial, Luke Smith to tell us all about all things financial. And there's a lot to worry about at the moment, I guess. So, Luke, good afternoon. How are you? G'day, Luke. You there, buddy? You got me? Oh, there you go. I got you now. There we go. Sorry, mate. Coronavirus. It's got to my speakers. <laughs> is that what it is? Now, I'm in my spare room. Where are you? I'm sitting at my bar. <laughs> I think I'm winning. <laughs> I think you might be. <laughs> if I want to walk out to the bar, it's at least, I don't know, six steps down the hallway. Yeah, no, I've uh, got the camera sitting on the uh, on the bar ledge, so we'll just keep that between me, you, and everybody else. Fantastic. This is going to be part three of our series on self-managed super funds, and before we get into the nuts and bolts of that, last time we talked, we were talking about in times of trouble and financial hardship, sometimes people may need to access some of their super to get them through the difficult times. Now, since we had that discussion, the government has actually made it easier for people to do that, and you can withdraw $10,000 this financial year and another next financial year, but some commentators are saying, look, be careful what you wish for. That may not be a good idea for your long-term financial health. What do you think? Um, yeah, look, I think it is. I think that's exactly right. I think every situation needs to be assessed on its own merits. And I think that people need to remember that superannuation is a long-term vehicle and the benefits of compounding and the impact of taking money out potentially unnecessarily because it's an easier path to get some funds and I appreciate, you know, there are people out there doing it really, really tough, having lost their jobs and have, you know, financial obligations and kids and mouths to feed. I, I, I would warn people against jumping to that as their first port of call um, because we all know how hard we work to try and save and, and add to superannuation. And when you think about what an employer would give you, 9.5% on a $100,000 salary, you could, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but you're actually accessing potentially one to two years of superannuation contributions, which could take you some time to replenish in the future. Yeah, that's the trouble with spending money. It takes a hell of a lot longer to earn it again. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I think especially with superannuation and the government contributions that obviously all salaried employees are entitled to, whilst 10000 doesn't sound like a lot, um, if you're earning $80,000 of wages, that could be two years of employer contributions, which you've then lost two years of time plus the compounding on that, plus the benefits of, you know, the longer time frame that superannuation obviously is. Um, yeah. Whilst a small number today doesn't sound like a lot, over time if you extrapolated that out over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, it would actually probably cost you a lot more. Yeah, that's the thing. Taking out $10,000 today, depending on how much longer you've got until retirement, could cost you fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 at the other end. Yeah, look, exactly right. And I think, obviously, the, 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 the younger you are, potentially, the more damage that could have And when you look at the long-term value of super. Um, so I think it's something that people need to keep in mind that as a, I'd have it there as the, the last sort of port of call. Um, I wouldn't be racing. Yeah, to last for, resort. Um, yeah, it's 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 something that you know you can you can make a lot of money from, and obviously if things rally, you've taken ten thousand dollars out at the bottom or at a weaker point in the market. That we've seen some very large gyrations in prices over the last two weeks, um, and 
in, in, in some stocks, depending on what your super's in, that could be a thousand dollars. That could be two thousand dollars in a week, you know, if you took ten out. So it's be mindful of, of, of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Exercise caution. Now, let's return to our scheduled program, how to uh, set up and run your self-managed superannuation fund. And over the last couple of weeks, we've done the initial steps of getting it all set up and then all of the obligations that you must meet when you're running your own SMSF. So this week, we're looking at some of the things about the self-managed super fund that makes it a flexible option. And the flexibility Mm. here is the key point, isn't it? Yeah, look, you know, we've we've had two two series now where we've sort of brought it to life, and we know what we need to do from a compliance standpoint. But I guess today's about sort of saying, well, why would you go to all of this trouble? You know, why would you have your own fund, and, and what are some of the key benefits? Um, and I think initially, if we sort of break it down into what's there, you know, obviously you've got asset choice. Um, whether you're in an industry fund or a personal super fund, somebody else is telling you what you can buy and providing you with what's called an approved product list. So whilst you are the trustee of the fund and you may outsource that financial obligation to somebody like myself or in conjunction with an accountant uh, or somebody that you trust, having the, the ultimate control over what you buy for a lot of people is one of the reasons that they come towards this sort of fund because everybody looks at investments in a slightly different way and structuring something for yourself is very, very important. And I think a lot of people get caught up in doing what their friends do um, and or staying where they are because they don't think there's another option. And uh, I think this is one of the key benefits of being able to buy what you want. And it could be a traditional asset like a share or a managed fund or an exchange-traded fund. It could also be a commercial property. Uh, it could also be a, a residential property. So a self-managed super fund has the capacity to cater for all people's investment choices um, and give people, obviously, the ultimate amount of control when it comes to looking at their superannuation. Yeah, I think that uh, not being an expert myself, but I get the impression that one of the main reasons people would choose an SMSF is that choice of investment. You can choose your own mm. shares, your own asset classes. You're not leaving it in the hands of somebody else that you may or may not think is the best at making those decisions. So I think that's usually one of the main motivators. Mm. Mo- one of the main motivators, isn't it? Yeah, look, exactly right. And I think that then ties into price and cost because there's a huge misconception that these things are expensive. Um, I had a conversation with some people this week and we looked at comparing some industry funds that they had and bringing it into a self-managed superannuation fund. And when you considered the investment costs of the industry fund and the investment costs and the taxation or the compliance costs of the self-managed super fund, the self-managed super fund was over $8,000 cheaper than the four industry funds that they had in place already. Um, So I think that's one huge misconception, a bit like the name, self-managed. Well, I don't worry about how the bricks are laid at my house. I just want to know that I have a five-bedroom house. And super funds are very similar. I think people need to step away from that name and say, right, here's a superannuation structure that's right for me. It doesn't matter what it's called because somebody like myself or somebody else will provide them with the skill set that they may not have so that they can attain the cost savings, the flexibilities and the investment choices that are right for them. But I think you've hit the nail on the head in that choice then lets you manage your asset allocation, your risk profile. And and one important thing that gets overlooked a lot is the allocation to individual assets. 
what people will find with an industry fund or with other personal superannuation funds is the trustee of the fund will set some parameters around what they can buy and potentially how much of it they can buy within the fund. So a self-managed super fund, if you want to hold a million dollars in your self-managed super fund and just hold CBA, then that's fine. You may or may not be able to do that with the type of assets that you hold in your fund, depending on who your provider is. And take an industry fund, for example, you may or may not be able to buy the exchange-traded funds or the specialised managed funds that you want to buy for a specific reason. They just may not be available on the investment menu of the fund that you're in. So choice is very, very important because it then leads to cost. And, and I've never been anybody that doesn't want a cost saving. Oh, absolutely. It's always nice to know that something is cheaper than the alternative. And although that wasn't my first thought, it's certainly a very convincing Mm. motivation, isn't it? Now, Mm. you mentioned how it's not necessarily appropriate or accurate to call it a self-managed super fund because you do have professional advice involved in setting up and running the structure. And we covered some of those details in last week's discussion in terms of uh, the professional advice that you get and the need to have a proper accountant uh, to perform certain functions. So that's all part of having control over your own destiny, though, isn't it? Yeah, look, it is. Um, and, and obviously, choice then leads, obviously, into fees and charges, but it also then leads into saying, well, what are we going to have in relation to our franking credits? How is our income going to be generated? Because if you have a lot of investment choice, you then have greater degree of control over the income that is generated from your investments. And in a time like we're seeing at the moment, Everybody is very thankful that they have a very strong income stream where they have targeted fully frank shares, managed funds that give them a good income stream on an annual or semi-annual basis, or fixed interest investments that may provide a monthly payment of interest and earnings to keep things going so that they're less reliant on the capital value of their fund, which can then potentially reduce the need to sell assets at a time like we're seeing now when you'd rather sell them at a much higher level and make the most of the the unit values that you have inside your fund. So it all starts to dovetail into one area because strong income can lead to strong flanking credits. Strong flanking credits can lead to very strong income returns inside the fund, which can then be used to offset tax in other parts of the superannuation structure. So it all starts to come together a little bit like a spider web in that every benefit is starting to give you another benefit or, you know, as we say, you start stacking these strategies on top of each other and it becomes a very, very cost-effective and flexible way of investing. And at the top of that pyramid, you're the one that's calling the shots. Potentially, potentially. (laughs) Yes. So if you had to choose what are the top three benefits of setting up an SMSF, what would those top three benefits be and why? Yep. So I think if, if we came off the top, now, this is, is predicated on the value of your fund. Obviously, self-managed super funds are extremely effective for larger balances because the fee structures that are applied to the fund are generally fixed. So most accounts now these days are working on a fixed fee basis um, and it works out more cost-effective than a personal superannuation fund. And really, these sorts of funds shouldn't be set up for balances that aren't starting to get some significant size to them or you have the potential to be able to add to the fund quickly. So cost is the first thing because obviously the more money we have in there on a fixed fee basis, the cheaper the total fund could be. So that's very, very important when we think about it. Choice, uh, we touched on that just before, but I think having investment choice is extremely important because 
if we can create a portfolio of assets that are very, very cost-effective and in most instances cheaper than looking at, say, a generic option within an industry fund whilst maximising the franking credits available, the income distributions that are paid, you can have a number of ancillary benefits from having a wide range of choice. Um, and the third one, I think, for the, the retirees is obviously the control over pensions. Having multiple members or husband and wife, husband, husband, wife and wife in the fund allows you to then be able to manage when and how pensions are drawn. And a self-managed super fund really comes into its own from a structural flexibility perspective where you have somebody that may be retired, you may have one partner that's still working. And imagine if you could use employer contributions from a person working to fund a pension for the person that's retired. So these sorts of things are very, very beneficial when it starts to look at the overall structural benefits of the self-managed super fund. There's lots of benefits and of course we're talking with Luke Smith this afternoon from Envision Financial. It's part three of our series on operating a self-managed superannuation fund. So Luke, can you tell me what are some strategy considerations that people should keep in mind in light of what's going on in the world at the moment? Yeah, look, I think one of the big things and one of the key changes that we've seen from the government, like we saw during the GFC, was a reduction in the pension minimums. I think this is a wonderful way for people to stop and just check and say, well, one, obviously I need a certain amount of money to live on, but two, if I've taken enough and potentially I've got some cash outside of super that I could live off for a period of time, it would be very prudent to be considering that to limit if you do need to sell assets in relation to paying a pension. Obviously, we try and keep one to, to, to two years of pension money in the, in the bank account just in case to alleviate this sort of concern. But if you don't have that and can draw at least the minimum, if you've drawn it so far this year, stop your pension payments um, and then leave off money outside of super. It'll give your capital the best chance it can have to try and replenish its real value as we see markets continue to move in, in positive territory. That's the first one I'd be thinking about. The second one would be make sure you have a really strong income stream because one thing people need to keep in mind is that immediately... The income stream of an asset is not necessarily tied to its share price. And we saw this through the GFC with the bank stocks. We saw bank stocks come under you know, significant capital pressure by their share price coming down, but they continued to pay the dividends that they had been paying in the, in the year prior. So I think I'd, I'd, I'd stress people should have a strong income stream in their super fund because, and again, as we said before the break, it limits the need to access capital in times where you may not want to be selling down uh, at a share price that you're not happy with. So a strong income stream will help to underpin things going forwards. Um, and obviously In terms of those dividends that you just mentioned, yeah. uh, there's been at least one company who's decided not to proceed with paying its current dividend. Is that something mm. to keep an eye on? Yeah, look, for sure. And, and I think that's where we're going to be. When I say they don't move you know, immediately, it's inevitable that in the market at the moment at current prices is probably factoring a 30 or 40% reduction in earnings, which is going to have an impact over the next 12 to 24 months in relation to the dividends that are paid. So, for example, if CBA is paying a dividend of $4.30, um, we could expect that to be you know, much lower than that. Um, but it will still provide a dividend. It just won't be at the same rate. And obviously the duration of the problems that we're seeing at the moment will continue to exacerbate those earnings over the, the next 12 to 24 months. So the longer this drags on, um, the more damage that can happen to the, to the income stream. But 
we need to keep in mind that obviously this will pass uh, and the government are trying to make the, the right decision in relation to how we manage it so that we can all move forwards um, and get back to life as normal when dividends will generally return to where they have been or be very, very close to it. So it's, again, important to keep in mind that super is a long-term thing, as is, is most investment. Um, and, and looking past the short-term noise is, is going to be very, very important. One of the other points that uh, you've emphasised here is uh, keeping a careful eye on your franking credits. Yeah, look, again, it comes down to that choice discussion that we had before the break. And obviously, if you've got a portfolio of, of assets that provide a strong franking credit level, obviously, when the tax return is completed, that can make a significant cash injection into a pension account, obviously, because surplus franking credits are returned as cash, or if you're working and making employer contributions, they can be very, very powerful in relation to negating unnecessary taxes or limiting the amount of tax that's paid within the fund. But again, we have to make a choice to be able to buy investments that will provide franking credits because they're not the default option in a lot of situations. And depending on the underlying investments of your fund, you may actually be robbing yourself of some very, very powerful uh, tools to be able to maximise both the income and the total rate of return in both good and bad times going forward. Indeed. And uh, one of the key points about self-managed superannuation funds that we keep coming back to is the flexibility of it. And one side of that is the fact that you need to focus on what's right for you as compared to what's right for other people you might know. Yeah, well, look, exactly. Um, It always frustrates me when, when people say they don't like something just because they don't understand it. Um, and I, I bring a self-managed super fund back to the building analogy. If I say to a builder, I want a five-bedroom house with two toilets, um, I'm not standing there looking at how he lays the bricks, but I know what my outcome is going to be, and I have to be able to say that this is his area of specialisation, so I'm not going to worry about what my friend who's a carpenter or who's a, a bank manager may have said about the quality of somebody's steel product. You know, it's about having something that's right for you not everybody's the same, um, but there are huge flexibilities and, and cost savings that are available. Um, but again, that name seems to scare people for some reason because there's yep. an expectation that they have to do it, which we all know really isn't the case in most situations. Now, we'll come back next week to talk some more about self-managed superannuation funds, but in the meantime, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, look, obviously you can go to the website, www.envisionfinancial.com.au. That's Envision with an E. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker on iTunes, uh, where we have a chat about the show and some other some other feedback. And we've got the resource centre on the website. So you can click in there and there's all sorts of technical and written material around self-managed super funds and all other areas. Um, and obviously we've got YouTube. We have the key takeouts of the show on the, on the video. Um, obviously it's a little bit difficult at the moment because we're not in the studio together, but we will press on and, and coronavirus will not get the better of us. But Envision Finance no, on YouTube... Um, people can subscribe to that and then catch each week's show when we upload that and stop it, pause it, and have the key takeouts for them. Indeed, Luke. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you again next week. Pleasure. See you next week, mate. Thank you. That's Luke Smith from Envision Financial.